God with him today. In Jesus' name. Would you make Brother Mike welcome? Praise God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I have a whorehound in my mouth. I've got to crunch it real quick. Apologize. I must say it's very good to be here in service with every one of you. I was, saw Sister Donna at Three Bears, the greatest store in the entire world, and uh, <laughs> they have deer steak there, they have wild boar burger, I mean, come on. What else do you want? <laughs> I mean, they're like the steak medallions, deer steak medallions at least this wide, you know, maybe this thick. <laughs> but, but I was I was saying that for me personally, it's not a, I'm not saying anything to people that are not able to attend. But missing services for me, I realize very quickly how much I need the body of Christ and how much I need to be in service. They're just you can't replace it. You have to be so clued in watching online to receive something much less anything close to what you receive when you're here in this environment. And so I really feel, feel for people that are not able to attend, and uh, I pray for them. And then for me, it's just so good to know how valuable the body of Christ is and how there's not one of us that can really be singular and think that we are an island unto ourselves or that we can serve God on our own and maybe clue in and watch on online, which, let's be real, I watch live. There's two eyeballs watching with me. So let's be real. No one's watching live, all right? <laughs> maybe afterwards, but two eyeballs plus me, that's three people or three houses, right? That's probably, that's probably Levi and Amy tracking it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just joking. <laughs> you know, I want to honor my granny turning 89 years old. Uh, it's people like my granny and my, uh, my pop's mo um, mom, grandma, they prove to me how real this, what we, what, what we believe, what we live, how real this really is. After years and years of, of just life itself, losing your uh, husband of many years and just continuing on steady, steadfast without wavering. Maybe it's not a whole lot of glamour and maybe you're not a superstar. You're having to step down from teaching Sunday school, step down from being in the choir like she's had to do with age, but steadfast. And that just proves to me how real this really is. How my, how my grandma could live in Huna, a town of roughly 900, and live in a town where she's been an alcoholic for the majority of her life and has many, many memories that she would rather forget, many, many friends that are very good at, at, at pulling you right back in, and she's able by herself to make it and continue steadfast once she's baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Receives That proves to me how real this is and how keeping this is. Like This is the, the hope, the anchor of our soul. That's a real thing. And I'm so very thankful for the heritage that I've received. I can't, can't say enough about the fact that I was just born into this. I did nothing. 
I did nothing to, to find this. I did, there was no soul searching involved. I was born into this. What a blessing that is. I'm so, th I'm so very thankful for that. <clears throat> so today we're going to be looking at Genesis 31. You don't need to stand. And I got this message when I was doing my Bible reading, and so I got it with the New Living Translation. And this is a fresh word from God for Sterling Pentecostal Church. I don't know about you, but I've backed off from a lot of things that are online, and uh, I couldn't be more thankful. It's, uh, there's just not a whole lot you can do about the news, you know what I mean? I can get real mad about it. I can rant and rave about it. It doesn't change anything. And so, turning to prayer only, and you can gauge how things are going just with your spirit. And uh, things are going real great, right? <laughs> <clears throat> Nevertheless, the most important election, just so you guys know, was in Israel. And Bibi Netanyahu got that. That's very important. He hasn't formed a government yet, but in God's eyes, that was the main thing. Just so you're moving on. <laughs> so Genesis 31, and, and uh, this is when Jacob is starting to see a difference in his father-in-law, a bigger difference. His father-in-law has been shady from the very beginning. I see his shadiness, Laban, starting actually with the servant coming to get Rebecca and him involving himself like he was a decision maker and uh, trying to insert himself and in keeping Rebecca there longer and then trying to, he, he's a schemer, Laban is. And uh, Jacob has been with him for quite a while now. He's got two wives, his two daughters are now his wives. And Genesis 31.3 could you get me three, Aaron, initially? Well, I'll just read it in the King James Version. You just keep that up there. And 31.3, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And so he sends for Rachel and Leah. And in verse 13, he's talking to them. He's already told them about how he received a dream about the um, speckled, the straked, the grizzled cattle and all the, all the things that were going on with that. And verse 13, I can't even, I'm starting to be able not, not be able to see these days. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Here's our message, Sterling. Now get ready. What are we getting ready for? To leave this country and return to the land of your birth. <laughs> See, I don't know about you, I was born in Sitka, Alaska, 1975, September 8th, but I was born from above a few years after that when I was seven years old, and that's, that's the land God's saying, Sterling, get ready. It's about time for us to return to where we were born from. <laughs> you remember Ephesians 2, right? We are seated with him in heavenly places. 
That's Jesus Christ. When we are baptized in that spiritual, what by one spirit, all baptized into one body, that's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we were baptized into the spiritual body of Jesus Christ, who is seated on the throne, high above all. His name is above every name in heaven, earth, every name that's named that. Focus has changed for me. It is time to now get ready. And he tells that to his wives, Rachel and Leah, and their reaction. Verse 14 of the NLT and the NLT. Rachel and Leah responded, that's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway. He has reduced our rights to those of foreign women. You see the hand of God and how Laban's treating them? We're supposed to live in this world here as pilgrims. As foreigners because we are actually not citizens of this world any longer our citizenship is in heaven we're aliens down here he's reduced our rights to those of foreign women and after he sold us he wasted the money you paid him for us all the wealth God has given you from our father legally belongs to us and our children so go ahead and do whatever God has told you when it's time to go sterling there can be nothing, not one single thing, holding us back. Not one single thing on this earth. We need to be like Rachel and Leah and say, deuces, we're ready to go. Now, Sterling, now get ready. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray your blessings upon the remainder of what I'm going to say. I pray, Lord, that we would respond quickly and that your spirit would move and take over and have its way. In Jesus Christ's name. It's funny, I started to write this down, which I never do. And there's a good reason for it. And so there's like 32 type pages there of, of a bunch of junk that I would never get through. And uh, that's why I don't write notes. <laughs> but he says Bethel to Jacob. That's very important to me because the name of that place was Luz. And then that night when Jacob in, in chapter 28 sleeps there on that, rests on that rock, has the dream and sees the stairway, he, when he wakes up, he renames that place Bethel. And when God's talking to him, he says, I want you, I am the God who appeared to you at, not Luz, at Bethel. It's very important for us to realize as apostolics that God has given us the ability to define spiritual moments to rename places where God shows up and to and to and to and even label and define who we are as children of God. And it's powerful to me that he honors that. He calls it Bethel. Every one of us. I was looking at that like with Hagar having her own personal experience with God and identifying him with a personal name. El-Rohai, however you would say that in the, in the Hebrew, the God who sees me, or the God who sees. But even further than that, she's having, having that experience with God. He says, I want you to name your son Ishmael, which means God will hear. When will he hear? When the lad's crying because he's dying of thirst. Then God hears. Like, think about those moments there where Hagar's the one that defines 
who God was right there. God honors that and then works from there. Call him Ishmael. God will hear. They have that moment and God hears. Not her, hears him. I want you to think about how powerful it is when God tells you that your children are going to be saved. You define them as saved no matter what condition they are in, and you don't back away from that. They're saved because God said, gave you a promise that they were going to be saved. And so you do not allow the enemy to redefine what God defines. You speak it and you keep it, and God will honor it because God will, God will also allow you to talk bad about yourself and to say that you're worthless and that you're disqualified from what you've from ministry because of what you've done or he, whatever we have free will and so we can disqualify ourselves and God will allow it or we can redefine things like Jacob's doing like like Hagar does Jacob Benani however you would say that son of my sorrow no he's Benjamin son of my right hand God lets you de redefine things. By the way, Rachel was his right hand. That's very important. God's going to honor it either way. It's up to us to speak things and not allow the enemy to define label, especially label. You can live a lifetime getting rid of a label or trying to work down a label. God's given us that. It's that creative power we have in the spirit. When we have the Holy Ghost, God's given us that ability to do that, speaking those things which are not as though they were. And it's through that agency of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is never mentioned in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament thing. <clears throat> it's not a person. It's Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it's a person. It's one person, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not a separate person. It's always the Spirit of God in uh, the Old Testament, and somehow it changes to the Holy Ghost, and it's personified as if it's a separate being when it's not. It's Jesus Christ, and it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but now, today, and, and, and looking at this story here, you have to turn to the parables. As we're looking at, now get ready. And we're looking at the girl's response, Leah and Rachel's response. I'm ready to go right now. I look at the parables in Matthew 20, 22, and 24, or 25. That first one is the, 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 the ten virgins. And we need to realize with what he's talking about, they have oil in their lamps. We're talking about the church. We're looking at people that in this story are saved. And so I'm looking at this congregation here. 50% of you don't have enough oil in your lamps, according to this story. That's how that story is starting. We're talking about wisdom weights. There's five foolish, five wise virgins. They're all waiting to, for the marriage, of the, waiting for the bridegroom to come, and they all fall asleep. So we're talking about a church that's asleep. They hear a cry at midnight, and they're awakened. And so they start to get ready, prepare to meet the bridegroom. And those five the five foolish virgins realize they don't have enough oil. And you probably never heard this preach. But uh, 
Is he saying then that there could come a time when you have to become selfish with what you've got? And you can't necessarily waste your virtue on maybe somebody else that's sitting in this building that doesn't want to take the time to do it themselves? They're asking for oil. They say, sorry, we don't have enough. Am I misunderstanding that, or am I pushing the, is that, am I pushing the boundaries of that too far? Like, could you, is, is he talking about a moment where, where we have to be very careful, Jordan, that, that we have enough oil ourselves? Because when ministry is literally, you're giving away virtue. I mean, that's summed up so quickly when the lady touches his, the hem of his garment and he feels the virtue go. And that's what ministry does. And that's what we do with each other. Can we reach a point where we have to start making sure that we still have enough ourselves? Now get ready. You know, he said you need to strive to enter in. That, that word's used seven times, and it's fight. I fought the good fight. It's, it's, it's talking about everyone that striveth for the mastery. So there's like six English words used for one Greek word in, in 1 Corinthians 9. But he's, when, when we, he's saying strive to enter in. The kingdom, John 11 and 12, or Matthew 11, 12, I'm sorry. Kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. The violent what? That's used one more time. That's Luke 16, 16. It's talking about since, since John the Baptist, he, he's basically saying everything's changed. Now scripture's being fulfilled. It's no longer being prophesied. And 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Talking about the, the narrow way, broad way, few there be that find it. Like, are we talking about something that's easy? Like, are we talking about something that we're just going to coast into? When it's talking about strive, or you're fighting, or you're needing to press in, or the kingdom of, of heaven suffers violence, and the violent kind take it by force. That's, they're getting, literally getting a share of heaven by how they're striving earnestly, zealously, one focus. Is that our mindset? Do we realize, like, this is, this is it? Like, this is the only important thing? And this is not going to be easy? Because he said it wouldn't be easy? Parable of Matthew 20, parable of the laborers in the vineyard, the 11th hour workers, what we, how we refer to it. And it amazes me because we have the 11th hour worker come in, they get paid the exact same thing as the person that worked all day long. And they get paid first. And so you have these laborers that were there all morning, all day, and they're fine until they see those guys get paid the exact same as them. And get paid first. And so here in verse 11 of chapter 20 of Matthew, it says, And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house. These are, these are the people that worked all day, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, 
And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. In other words, we did all the work. We deserve all the reward. In other words, I've been serving God at Sterling Pentecostal Church for 25 years. Now, this little brat's come in. They haven't even been saved a year, and they're already getting to pl play the guitar. Doesn't pastor know I can play the guitar? Doesn't pastor know that I'm, I'm, oh, I never miss prayer meeting? I never, I never, I always go downstairs at Thursday and uh, fellowship. How come I never get promoted to do anything? I mean, that's a real light way of saying this, right? Because, because I didn't realize that, uh, but he answered one of them and said, friend. Now, I've realized now in the parables, being called friend isn't a good thing. It's not. I mean, he called Judas friend, right? So he calls this person friend. I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? He says, take that thine is and go thy way. I never saw that, I guess. But to me, Jordan, is he getting like, Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is thine eye evil because I'm good? So the last shall be first, the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. You know that evil eye. I'll define it for you real quickly in Mark 7. It's verse 18. Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, goeth out into the drop, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Pastor Glover, a couple Thursdays ago, using Jeremiah 2, he preached about cisterns, and he preached about the fountain of living water. And how dangerous it is to build a cistern when we're supposed to be a, a gushing fountain that continually is flowing up into everlasting life. And when we get that cistern, like this baptismal tank here, when that water just sits there, first we get a little nasty film, scum on top, and then it just begins to get, the water just gets grosser, nastier, and nastier. Because there's nothing running in it. There's no flow. And you don't realize somebody's a cistern until moments like this when somebody gets elevated that they don't think needs to be elevated. Someone gets promoted that, no, 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 no. They, they, they don't deserve that. And then all of a sudden, here comes nastiness. And all of a sudden, the cistern comes up out of, out of their spirits. The evil eye is what he describes it here. But how dangerous is that for us as men and women of God to even care a little bit 
about position, promotion, or think that we've earned it because we've been here for so long, whereas somebody else just showed up, and how come they deserve it? How dangerous is that for us to not prefer one another over our own selves, to, to want to promote each other more than we want ourselves promoted? It's a dangerous thing, and this parable here, it, you worked all day long, and I know this is really talking about dispensation in times. I know it's really talking about the Gentiles, us and Jews, I understand, but it's also, he's talking here about somebody that is not going to make it because fewer called, or many are called, fewer chosen. And how do we know when we have a cistern instead of a well? Well, what comes out, and not all the time, right? We can hide it, but the danger of this and the trick of this is that we can fool ourselves into believing that we can step back from the spirit walk start just walking with our mind or just taking a break. We just need a break physically, spiritually, mentally. I'm just going to step back. And when you step back from God, you step back from praying in the Holy Ghost every day, you're, 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 allowing, this, you're allowing yourself to go ahead and start polluting what's on the inside. You're going to go ahead and start like a beaver, adding sticks to this flow, and pretty soon it's going to be dammed up. And then... How easily deceived we are. Next thing you know, when pastor's preaching, now we're, getting, we're arguing with him in our mind. Or we're getting upset at the pastor. Or, or our brother or sister who's reaching out to us in love. Because they can feel the lack of function in this body. Because you're not doing the, 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 what God's given you to do in this body. They're reaching out to you in love and you snap at them. Or you're like, who are you? Like, no, you step back. How easy is it to know we have a cistern instead of a well, an a, a artesian type of well springing up? You've forsaken the fountain of living waters. You've made cisterns that are they're broken. They won't even hold water. That's what he told them in Jeremiah. And that's such a dangerous thing. And it's hidden so well until moments like this. And then up comes the nasty. Hmm. Now get ready. Now be. Matthew 22. You got the parable of the marriage feast. And. Bid everyone to come. And the king comes in. He's greeting all the guests. It's verse 11 of, of 22. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment, had not on a wedding garment. And we're really talking about Revelation 19 in every one of these parables. A bridegroom, we're talking about the, the we're looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're looking at those that are going to ultimately be called, chosen, and... And so he says, uh, friend, that's what I mean, you don't want to be called Friend. 
How camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So we've all been called. And I would dare say we've been chosen, yet not chosen. Right? We're saved, but we're not. We're walking out this salvation. And he says, but many are called, few are chosen in both of those parables. Wedding garment. How important is a wedding garment? Now, this is the argument of the ages. It's the Mother Teresa argument. It's the, the most righteous person you can come up with argument that's much nicer than me, that never has, never has said a bad thing about anybody in their entire life. They do nothing but good for everybody, and it's wonderful. But according to the Word of God, unless you've been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, into the name of Jesus Christ, like this is what the Bible says, this thing, this is the Bible, the Word of God. Unless you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that's an actual name of a person, a living spirit. It's the only life-giving spirit, the own, only son of God. Not you, not you, not you, unless you've been baptized into the only son of God who's going to make heaven. That's Jesus Christ. We understand that. The only son of God. So for me to become and identified as a son of God, eventually, once we make heaven our home, because we're not there yet, I must be in this body. And it is only through, by one spirit, are you baptized into one body. There's neither is there salvation in any other name. Peter told him, what name was he talking about? Jesus Christ. So unless you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, unless you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is evidenced by speaking in a language you don't understand or you've never spoken, proven in Acts 2, proven again in Acts 10. The Jews are shocked because the Gentiles start to speak in tongues like they did, and they're like, what? They get to be saved too? I can't believe it. Those two things, without that, there is no wedding garment. And with that, not, not one of us, every one of us will be speechless. But guess what? I've got an advocate. Because I've been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, full immersion here in a baptismal tank. Sorry, Pop. I now have the first John 2-1 promise that I have an advocate with the Father who is what? Jesus Christ the righteous. And so I have somebody that's going to speak for me. Whereas this guy has nobody. And so he's speechless. And so what we're, what we're looking at is we're looking at a church that's 50-50, okay? We're looking at old saints that, that get all full of bitterness and become cisterns and get upset when, the, when in these end time and this last move of God's spirit, when the people that come in that are fresh take hold of it, God elevates them, and they get that 11th hour worker pay of as much as we got the entire day. They get... No, oh, gifts of the Spirit flowing, oh my goodness, unreal preaching, unreal everything else. They get bitter. 
And then we have somebody without the right wedding garment on. How important is it to make sure that we are ready? As we look at the landscape of what is America, was America, should we say it that way? As we look at that, the backdrop of uh, who, here th who here thought there might be a red wave? <laughs> Shocker. As we look at all those kinds of things, we're realizing that, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe God's the only one that can save this whole situation. But in, in everything, I have to be ready right now. I have to be ready when the trumpet sounds. It could be right now I have to be ready. And so I have to make sure I have a well-flowing, not a cistern. I have to make sure that I'm awake and that I have enough oil in my lamp. I have to make sure that I have the right wedding garment on, which according to this is there's only one way. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can't good yourself into this. No one can. Works does nothing for salvation. Works hinders salvation. How good you are hinders your salvation. It doesn't matter how righteous you are without baptism into the name of Jesus Christ, without the infilling of his spirit, you do not have a wedding garment on. That's what the Bible says. That's not me being a jerk to you. This, this book is about one God, and we get the full revelation of what we're going to get here on earth. That revelation is going to continue once we make heaven our home, but right now the fullness of revelation that God's chosen to give us is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the only one who's been deemed righteous by God. And so if I'm not in him, I am not righteous. So I can be baptized into that body and choose to step right back out of it and be righteous on my own. That's another danger. Works, 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 works. Acts, Revelation 3 takes care of that very well with the church of Laodicea. So deceived, thinking that they're, they're building up these eternal treasures by their own efforts instead of by the fact that God has given us everything freely. Now get ready. That's from God right there. <laughs> sure, it was for me. Yep, you guaranteed it was for me. It remains for me. But if you're in one of those categories, if, if, if the, the person who has the keys, Peter, don't get behind any preaching about Peter having the keys of salvation if you're not going to obey it. Because he has the keys, and what are the keys? He says, they say, what should we do in, in Acts 2.37? He says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so when he's preaching again to us, the Gentiles, in Acts 10, the exact same thing happens. It just happens when he's preaching. They receive the Holy Ghost as he's preaching. But he starts by telling them the word which God sent in verse 36 of 10 sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. So he starts at the finish line with us, 
as he's preaching to them, they receive the Holy Ghost, and then he commands them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. King James Version chooses to put that in the, uh, in the middle there, but that is li literally the original gr Greek. I could show you no problem is Jesus Christ, not in the name of the Lord, which is Jesus Christ. Without those two, those are the keys that Peter was given from God. He opens the door. He opened the door in Samaria. They couldn't receive the Holy Ghost until he showed up. Why? Because he had the keys. So all he did was go, dink, dink, dink. And apparently, as soon as he did that, they received the Holy Ghost. So Simon's like, whoa, that is the best trick I've ever seen. How much money do I have to pay to get that? You just taught on that recently, right? Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but on Thursdays, Pastor Glover has been not so gentle. Hasn't felt gentle to me. It's like, ouch, thank you very much. Ouch, yep, thank you very much. And I am thankful for it. <laughs> I wanna, if, I, if, I can, if I can listen to preaching without being convicted or teaching, especially about soul winning and the lost, then there, I got some problems. So I'm very thankful for Pastor Glover's continual, continual, continual pushing that forward to us and not letting it go, not letting it go and encouraging us, encouraging us, encouraging us. I need that. I need that. I can walk through Fred Myers and not even focus on one face. I just can. Doing my business, getting out of there, heading home. So I need, I need what Pastor Glover's teaching about, preaching about. There's a world going to a lake of fire, and we, we are the ones with the answer. Well, the Bible is the one with the answer. <laughs> we just happen to have been blessed to see it, but not just see it because everyone can see it. Throw up Acts 2.38, Aaron. Anyone can see it, but it's a matter of obeying it. You don't have to, you, you don't have, to have a doctorate in understanding the oneness of God. You just need to obey it because this is a salvation by faith, not understanding, yeah. not, not I got all the wisdom I need now. Wisdom waits until it understands everything about Jesus Christ. No, that's not how salvation works. It's obedience. Commanding them to obey everything or teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. That's what he told the apostles. Obey. That's all they had to do is teach them to obey what I commanded you. This, is, this was one of the commandments right here. And so we can all understand what that says. It is not rocket science. It's just a matter of obeying it. Okay. And that's, what, that's literally what's going to take to now be ready or now get ready. That's step number one. That's getting the wedding garment on. You don't want the king coming up to you and going, hey, friend, how is it that you're in here and you don't have a wedding garment on? You know what gnashing of teeth is, right? You know what he's referring to there, right? Where the worms never quenched, the lake of fire, torment. I'm being real, real nice and gentle here. But hopefully this is getting across. Fifty-fifty. I want you to think about that. So this half, of the, this half of the room going to the lake of fire, this half has just enough oil to make it. <laughs> wow. Pretty, those are pretty salty parables, Sister Donna. 
I mean, there's many more we could talk about here that are just as salty. But what's the work of the world, the work of Laban, is literally what Jesus, the Son of Man, told his disciples before he left. And it's John, or, yeah, John 15 and 16. And he's saying, here's the deal, guys. Verse 18, if the world hates you, hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, I think this is a litmus, this is a litmus test here. Do you? For being an apostolic? If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Pastor, is that litmus, could that be a litmus test? The work of Laban is to get them girls to where they're gone as soon as he's ready to go. As soon as God gives the word, they're gone. The work of the world now for us is to get us to where we're ready to go. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. All right. And then he goes on in verse, uh, chapter 16. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. I wonder who he's talking about there. <laughs> Saul, maybe? And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Do we have to allow the world's work to, to have its work? Like, do we need to allow it to get us to this place where there's not one thing in this world holding us back? The way things, how dark things are now, and uh, there is no answers right now. There's no one single name that's going to save this country. I've determined to allow that now to separate me. I'm an American. I'm very proud to be an American. Actually, I'm Clinkett, so I'm a proud Clinkett American. Even though we're supposed to be a melting pot, I identify as a Clinkett because I am one. <clears throat> and I am very, very, always have been very patriotic. Listening to the National Anthem before our baseball games, tearing up. And I still, I still will. That's why I went to fight for our country. And, uh, of course, that didn't work out according to God's will. But uh, I'm not going to go down without a fight is what I'm telling you with this America. But I'm also, I am not, I'm also detaching myself from what's going on. And I'm just putting myself in alignment with God. And I'm going to allow God to let his spirit define for me how I'm praying with, about America and what, how I'm feeling about what's going on instead of being so immersed like I have been with the news, which I cannot change, which it, nothing, it just gets worse and worse. And it just, it literally is a one-sided battle this time and unfair advantage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Stack deck. Steve Bannon getting arrested. That was it for me. That was the last straw for me. 
And so I've not given up on America, but I have stepped back from all of that. I can't do it anymore. That's, that's the oil in the lamp stuff. That's, that's the not allowing anything to start plugging this, this well to where it starts to become a cistern. I got to step away. And so I'll, I care about America on my knees. I can't do it with the news. And you know how big of a blessing that has been? Like Pastor Glover was talking about the World Series. I have no idea who was in the World Series or who won, and I don't care. It's an awesome feeling not to know what's going on in the news, truthfully. After being clued in since 2016, whether I wanted to be or not. But you see how anything can, be, can become a drain. Annette, your, your um, ministry that you have can become a drain. And you see how we have to be very careful with that oil we've got. To not let it go to somebody else and us now run out. When we're talking about oil, obviously we're talking about the spirit of God. That's obviously the analogy there. That's obviously what is the light. And uh, can we stand? This is a, salvation is a personal thing. It is. And with these scriptures, it has to be. Every man presseth in. Like, how bad do you want it? How much does this mean to you? So that salvation comes with what the Bible says salvation is, how it's defined. And I don't care what you think. This is what the Bible says. <laughs> we can argue it all day long. I can embarrass you. Okay, great. I don't want to. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And so that's salvation. Cisterns, wells, we know what that is. But that's an examination of ourselves with God. <clears throat> The, the relationship we have with each other, not allowing some petty little thing like an 11th hour worker being elevated and God blessing them more than we apparently are, are blessed when we're all getting paid the same thing, which is, <laughs> I, Kendra, I could care less how much better you are at singing and playing and work and everything. If I make heaven, you make heaven. That's what our goal is. Along the way, God's designed a plan for you, for you, for you, for me, every one of us. And as long as we carry that out, we're good. But we have to be ready. What is that? In a moment, twinkling of an eye. That doesn't give you much time to go, wait a sec. This is big boy stuff. That's what, that's what the army would tell you. We're talking about big boy rules here. So I'm, I'm, I'm using big boy rules. I'm assuming that you're going to handle it like big boys. Adults. Baptism in, by full immersion, the name of Jesus Christ, is how you get into that spiritual body. The infilling of his spirit, which is going to be evidenced by you speaking in a language you've never spoken before, is how his spirit is in you. That is the John 15, except I abide in you, you abide in me. That's how that works. There is zero chances that that's wrong. There is no chance. It's plain as day in this word right here. It's just our problem is we don't like to obey things. Our problem is we like to argue. And you're arguing with this. 
This beautiful Schofield Bible, beautiful blue cowhide. This is what you're arguing with. The author and finisher of our faith. That's who you're arguing with, not me. And it's just as simple as eternity. That's just the weight of it. Eternity. Think how long eternity is. That's one of the most depressing things I can think about sometimes. Is how long eternity is. Forever. Forever. It's a matter of being ready. It's a matter of not letting this world have something that ties us down. Something that chokes out our, our growth. As Sister Glover begins to sing the song, I just want you to respond however you want to respond. For above all else, I must be saved. When I come and pray, we invite you to come and spend some time being the presence of the Lord. Getting ready, multifaceted. <laughs> 